like let it kind of settle in you that we're not just talking about money. We're talking about releasing a lot of things from heaven, all the good stuff. Like Dan McCollum in his talk says, there's no money in heaven. So if God's going to unlock the riches of heaven, it might not be money. <laughs> it could be all sorts of things. But there is financial release that comes and all of that. So if you're longing to see a breakthrough from heaven in your life, then looking at how we steward our money is a good way of releasing that. And the other thing just to say at the beginning is that uh, this isn't about condemning anyone who hasn't been doing something. Like we're coming at this from a point of view that we heard these talks and got really challenged by it. Um, didn't make us feel bad about what we hadn't been doing. It got us excited about what we could be stepping into and what God wanted to release to us. So we listened to these a few times over. I think I've listened to this series of teachings five times now. I love it. And we said um, we didn't want to speak on it immediately. We asked if it could be put a bit later because we wanted to put it to the test and actually try it out and see whether it worked. And so at the end, once we've shared a few of these things, we'll tell you some of the stories of what's been going on. It's good. So first, um, there's five realms of, um, it's not giving, five realms of using money, really, that we're going to talk about. Kind of three main ones, which are giving-related ones, and two at the end as well, briefly. And for each of those, we want to look at something that's going to release, something that it's going to rebuke as giving has kind of spiritual laws associated with it. So if we give in one way, it releases one thing and it rebukes something else. Rebuke just means uh, like the troubles that are coming at us. If God rebukes that trouble, he just pushes it away. And release means if there's something good in store for us, he sends it to us. So that's what we're talking about when we mean that. So the first one I'm going to talk about is tithing. And let's go to that classic. You could probably turn there without me even saying what verse it's going to be. This is Malachi 3.10. It says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. So let's look at the spiritual laws to do with tithing. Tithing literally means a tenth. Uh, It means bringing the first fruits of everything that you give and returning it back to God. Mike Pilavachi tells this fantastic story that we love about a guy who goes to the airport he's waiting for a flight and um, he goes to a counter and he he gets himself a little bag of mini donuts sits down at his table puts his stuff all down and there's a guy sitting opposite him this guy a bit cheeky reaches across helps himself to one of the donuts the guy's shocked how dare he take one of my donuts so uh, the guy in the story goes back, he takes one of his own donuts, just to, you know, you're welcome to them, but they are mine, just stating my authority here. To his shock and horror, the guy opposite him takes another one and smiles while he's doing it. Oh, he's outraged now, his donuts are being nicked. This is horrendous. He takes two, just state, you know, put a line in the ground. The guy smiles back at him and takes another two. He says, oh, 
what on earth is going on? Eventually, his flight gets called, and he gives the guy a little, a little look as he stands up, and he collects his briefcase, and he collects his bag, and he looks down, and there's his bag of donuts on the ground where he put it. He'd been eating the other guy's donuts all along. Ah, the moral of that story, they're all God's donuts. When we're talking about tithing, sometimes we can have a mixture of feelings about it. You know, like a bit of an indignation rises up, like, this is my money. I've worked hard for it. You know, can I really afford to give back to God? Well, tithing just reminds us that they're all God's donuts. Every good thing comes from him in the first place, and we're just returning to him. It's it's a way of positioning ourselves to say, uh, all these good things have come from you. I've not earned this. It's the Lord that gives the power to earn wealth. You know, I'm saying that this has all come from you, and all I'm doing is submitting myself to you, saying, you are God. I'm not. <laughs> you did this. Thank you. This is your money. I'm just giving you a tenth of it. When when God gave, he didn't give a tenth. He gave the whole thing. He sent Jesus and held nothing back. So a tenth is really just a good place to start. Um and we're not talking about getting back into law because uh, we're in a new covenant and we're not under law. But interestingly, if you have a look at it, tithing actually predates the law. Um, right at the very beginning, Cain and Abel uh, get the first crops. And the first thing they do is bring in an offering to the Lord. So the first fruit offering was from the very, very beginning. Abraham, when he's still Abraham, actually, um, meets with... That priest dude whose name I can't tell. My kids all that. <laughs> Begins with an M and has a K and a Z in it. <laughs> My kids are deck. <laughs> yeah. And he gives him a tithe as well. He presents a tenth of all of his stuff to the priest as a thanksgiving offering to God. That was way before the law. And then if we look at the new covenant, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. Um, where's that one? I'll give you a reference so you know it's true if you want. Matthew 23. We won't go there, but the gist of it is that um, he's talking about the Pharisees who were the religious rulers of the day. And he says, look at you guys. You bring your cumin, you bring your aniseed, you bring all of this. But you've neglected the weightier matters of justice and looking after the poor. And it'd be really easy to wait there, wouldn't it? And say like, okay, Jesus is saying enough of the tithing. Don't worry about that. Worry about the weightier issues. He says, he continues and says, you should have looked after those things without neglecting the former. So he's saying, yes, do the important things. Don't forget the the former tithing too. He honors that. And um, there's a kind of principle in scripture that it's line upon line, precept upon precept. So whenever God brings something new, it's not to replace the old, it's to build upon it, to improve it, to enhance it. So if we look at tithing as good news, as grace, if we look at it in the light of the new covenant of grace instead of law, then it brings a new aspect to it. So what does it release? If we've got that Malachi one still open, it says, um, bring the tithe in, that there may be food in my house. So it does a couple of things. It feeds his house, the church, so that there's strength, there's life, there's growth in the church. But it's also talking about provision, the things that we need. He says, see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so you won't destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field. So he's talking about crops, provision, 
food, the things that we need. And if we have a look at Matthew 6. Wrong one. Got too many stickies today. This is uh, Matthew 6, 26. It says, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are, they not of more, are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about the clothing? What, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yes, I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, or you of little faith? Therefore don't worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So tithing is our act of worship and submission to God, saying, I put you first, I seek your kingdom first, and his promise is that to all these other things that we could worry about, what will we wear, what will we eat, what we will drink, all these other things will be added unto us. The deal that he makes with us, the kind of spiritual law, is that if we put him first in that first fruits offering, that first tithe, then he will bring provision into the house. So what does it rebuke on the other side? Um, this is a bit of a question to wonder about. Have you ever been stuck at that stage of nearly enough, but not quite? Have you ever had that feeling where the money's coming in, but it never seems to be quite enough for all the stuff, and the end of the month is a bit of a stress each time, where it's like, oh, good grief, where is it? I don't know, the money's coming in, and it just falls straight through my pockets. Well, in that um, Malachi verse... It said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. So there's this kind of spiritual um, concept of the devourer, who's the one that comes and seems to eat everything up before we've even had a chance to profit from it. In Haggai uh, 1, verse 6, it says, You've sown much, but bring in little. You eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one's warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. I know I've felt like that a bit sometimes, where I've been kind of trying to get going in my business, and the money's coming in, but it's like I'm putting money into pockets with holes. And as soon as it's come in, it's gone out somewhere. The car broke down, or something happened, or something else happened. And the promise here is that tithing rebukes the devourer, and releases provision enough to meet every need. So that's the kind of the law to that, the balance of it. When I say the law, I mean like the, um, you know, like the laws of physics. Like if you drop something, it's going to fall, rather than we're under a law. It's a different, different kind of thing here. This is the spiritual concept of how things work in the kingdom. Okay, so. Yes, moving beyond that stage of just enough is where we're at now, I think. Uh, I was praying about this a little while ago and I felt like God said that there's a breakthrough coming for the lighthouse. That he's been really faithful 
because we've been faithful as a group of people at tithing, at bringing, bringing our offerings to him. And he's honoured that and he's provided for us and it's brought provision into the house and we've had enough to do everything we've wanted to do. But that there's a season of increase and of abundance coming where it's actually time to move beyond that. It's time to move past the just enough to meet all of our needs and into not talking about all becoming millionaires and having fancy cars. It's not about a prosperity gospel. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about having enough to be generous on every occasion. Maybe we will have some millionaires in the house. I, don't, I see no problem with that. Money's not the problem. As long as we acknowledge that he is God, he is Jehovah Jireh, he is our provider. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not the one who made my own wealth. He is. And the problem, um, the problem with losing that kind of sense of he is God and I'm not is that it limits us, you see, to whatever income you're bringing in is the extent of the resources that are available to you. If you want more income, you've got to put in more hours or you've got to get... Uh, a promotion or you've got to earn some more somehow you've got to take another part-time job it limits our thinking and God's saying it's time to step up into a bigger realm where actually we're knowing him as the one who provides but even beyond just provision and meeting our needs stepping into a time of abundance where the resources of heaven are available to us to facilitate the things that he's calling us to step into if we're going to grow we need to grow in our mind we need to grow in our lifestyle. We need to grow in our finances to be able to follow through on that. So Chris is now going to tell you the next one, which is all about stepping into increase now, beyond just provision and just enough. Yeah. So Brian's been talking about. Um, oh, space here. There we go. So Brian has been talking about um, sort of the tithe which is kind of, it's, it's giving back to God. It's sort of, it's focused at God, but it benefits the church. It's sort of, you know, it says in Malachi, you know, there'd be uh, food in my house. He's referring there to the church, really. It's kind of the tithe is what the church kind of, kind of runs on. And so it's, it's important that the tithe does actually go to the church. You don't choose where it goes. There's no, there's no real choice in it. God just says it comes comes to the church but the other so the next area of of kind of giving that we want to look at is sort of giving to the poor which is sort of the giving of alms um and it's um it's a key to prosperity and abundance we're motivated by compassion and when we you know we have compassion in our hearts and when we see a need we we want to meet it and that's that's a really good thing so we don't tithe based on needs and feelings. That's it's kind of it's, it says it that we should do it, and we just do it. But kind of the giving part is it's there's a bit of option here. There's a bit of choice here. It's optional how we give, when we give, and to who we give. But it's not actually optional that we do give to the poor. Jesus commanded it to us. It says it's one of the acts of righteousness that we all, that we should all perform. In Matthew six verse three, it says. But when you do a charitable deed, that's not if you do, it's when you do. So it's no, there's no choice. We just, we're commanded to do it. So as I said, the tithe is focused to God, but benefits the church. But giving to the poor is focused towards people, but benefits God. So giving to the poor was a foundation of the New Testament church. In Galatians 2 verses 9 and 10. Paul and Barnabas are sent out to the Gentiles 
by James, Peter and John. And James, Peter and John stayed and, and ministered to the Jews. And those three were considered pillars of the church. They desired only that Paul and Barnabas remember the poor, the very thing that Paul and Barnabas were eager to do. So you can read that in Galatians 2.9. So of all the commissions that James, Peter and John gave to Paul and Barnabas, it was to remember the poor. That was the thing they were really keen on. And you can see it's, it's throughout the Bible that you know Jesus was always looking for people who had a need and really wanted to meet that need. In Proverbs 19, verse 17, it says, He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and the Lord will pay him back what is given. So essentially, we're loaning to God by giving to the poor. And I can think of very few people who I would want to loan money to. Because <laughs> of all the people that's going to be faithful and actually repay you back, I'm pretty sure he's the one. <laughs> but it's also a key to um, answer prayer and our own financial needs. In Proverbs 21, verse 13, it says, whoever shuts his ears to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be heard. So basically, if you give, you will receive, which is the principle of sowing and reaping, which we all know and we've all heard before. It says in Luke 6, verse 38, your gift will return in full measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over to make room for more. So the measure in which you give will be the measure in which you receive as well. So tithing guarantees provision and the opening of spiritual blessing. But giving to the poor actually guarantees increase because the measure that you give, it will be given back to you. So that's, that's what it releases. So we've talked about tithing kind of releasing provision and kind of making sure that we've got what we need. But giving to the poor, releasing abundance and prosperity. In terms of what it rebukes, it rebukes us of being unconcerned and having a selfish heart. In Matthew 25, which is the parable of the sheep and the goats, those who did not give to the poor were rebuked, and worse. But it's not about that, it's just being aware that there are consequences to how we live our lives. And actually, I've raced through that really quick, so it's back to Brian for the next part. I was just saying to Alistair, don't worry, the first bit's the longest bit. <laughs> They're all a bit speedy now. Okay, so that was giving to the poor. We've had the tithe, giving to God. We've had giving of alms, that's giving to the poor, moved by compassion, moved by a need. Um, now we're on to the sowing of seed, which this one is giving according to your vision. It's giving according to what fruit you want to see back. So when we tithe, we tithe because... We love God and we do it. We just obey. You know, he says how much. He says to do it. We do it. We obey. Like Chris was saying with the second one, we're moved by a need and we say, oh, how much should I give? You know, I want to be generous. I know you'll give generously back to me, but I'm motivated by compassion and a need. In this one, um, it's like a farmer doesn't plant some seed and go, whatever you want to come up, it's all right by me. You know, just what whatever comes no they're intentional and they say this is what I'd like to see so I'm going to sow the seed I've spent this much money on buying all my seed I've spent this much time digging it all in and tending it and I'm really hoping to see a a big amount of fruit a big harvest come from this one so sowing of seed goes into a specific field for us the difference between giving to the poor 
and giving into a vision is that when I'm sowing, when I'm when I'm giving to the poor, I'm not sowing into the seed of poverty, hoping to reap pro- poverty. It doesn't work like that. I'm sowing out of love, just hoping to bless and knowing that God is faithful and will increase what I give. When I do this one, I'm I'm being very picky. I'm looking around and I'm saying, what am I going to sow into? Um, it could actually be the same thing for different people. Like Child of Hope, for example. Fantastic charity. When we hear about some of the needs that are happening there, then we're just moved, aren't we? We just want to give. We want to bless them. We want them to do well. Some of those kids, the things they've been through. And we see the charity making such a massive difference in the slum. And we give. However, it might be that we've got some people here who have a heart for missions, who just love the poor and they're like, do you know what, I want to I wanna see finance come in for my own mission trips, so I'm going to give to Child of Hope as a seed to people who are doing missions. Or maybe you say like, do you know what, they're seeing people get healed out there, they're seeing lives get changed and transformed, I want to see a breakthrough of that in my life, I'm going to sow some seed into that because they're moving in the thing I want to be moving in. And so it's a different dynamic. It's all about the heart. And it's about how we bring it to God. And it's, you know, the Bible says, like, let us not be like ignorant of these things. Let's be wise and switch on our brains a little bit and just say, rather than, I think my way of doing this has been, I'll tithe faithfully because I'm told I should. Okay, fine. Um, wondered about it for a bit. Are we under law, aren't we? Whatever. Just did it anyway. And I've seen God be very faithful. But then these other other areas of giving, in the past I've been like, oh, I don't know, I better give some money to some things sometime. I don't know, if I believe in it, maybe. I, I've definitely been in haphazard. And I would say I've seen haphazard fruit come from it. But we're getting into a time where it's about being a little bit more intentional and choosing what we're investing into and sowing into <coughs> with the expectation of seeing some fruit. Let's have a bit of Bible, just, you know, keep it on track. 2 Corinthians 9. So this one's talking about sowing. Uh, verse 6 onwards, it says, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. So that's not even out of need or something, or compulsion or anything like that. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it's written, he's dispersed the board he's given to the poor his righteousness endures forever now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed that you've sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality which causes thanksgiving through us to god so this is the dynamic in this one we pick a field we sow what we want to see some fruit in how do we sow this passage says we sow decisively intentionally, generously, and cheerfully. A farmer doesn't begrudge the seed that he's sowing, like, that was going to be my dinner, actually. (laughs) No, no, you know you're going to get a fruit from it, so you sow cheerfully, knowing you're going to get a lot more back from it. Um, This is 
the one that um, we don't do it out of necessity, so don't feel like obliged to do this or that you're being told you've got to give all your money away, but you've only got a little bit and how are we going to make ends meet? Take all the pressure off. Take all the weight off. This isn't about guilt-tripping you into investing in the building project. Forget about that, okay? This is about releasing us into that abundance, that measure that Chris was talking about, about it being given back to you, overflowing, pressed down, packed down, overflowing, spilling out. It's about releasing that kind of bountiful provision in our lives, a new realm of uh, finances open to us. And the nice thing is that it even says God supplies seed to the sower. We don't even have to get our own seed. They're all his donuts. It was all his to start with. If we've been living with just, just enough and we want to start moving in this, ask him, say, God, you know, I haven't got enough to sow yet, but I would really love to. I'm taking this into my heart and I want to see you be faithful in it. Would you give me a seed that I could sow? He's that good. He'll do it. You know, he's not going to say, well, once you've saved enough, come on, sort yourself out. He's not like that. He's really good. So, what does it release? It releases increase. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I missed a bit. That was a good bit. Here's a phrase for you. I like this one. God provides most of our breakthrough in seed form. This guy, Dan McCollum, he says, he's got a little motto. He says, the key to breakthrough is follow through. That most of the breakthroughs we want to see in our life, God won't give us the whole thing in one go. He'll give us a seed that's down to us what we do with it to see the full release of that breakthrough. So perhaps sowing into someone else's vision is a way of releasing that breakthrough that you've been longing for. And he says if something comes to him that isn't big enough to meet his need, he assumes that it's seed. And he says, be wise with that. Like, don't, you know, someone gives you money it's not necessarily throw it away straight away but um but ask is it seed is this for me to sow into someone else so releases increase this one rebukes appetites weird right bit of an odd one giving to someone else's vision sowing into a vision rebukes appetites hmm Let's have a look at Proverbs. Twenty-nine, verse eighteen. It says, "Where there is no vision, the people perish." Or another version, "Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint." The image of this is the image that Paul talks about. Um, in his letters where he says about an athlete training for a race isn't ruled by their appetites. They set all of that aside. They've got a vision that they are going for. And the rest of the stuff doesn't interest them anymore because they've got something that they are fighting for and everything else pales by comparison. When there's no vision, when there's no revelation, no purpose and passion, then appetites start to rule. We get habits, weaknesses, just things we can't shake, you know. If any, if any of you have had battles like a lot of us do with, like, your weight goes up and down, or you never seem to be able to manage your money quite how, like, you want to, or your relationships, you just keep doing the same thing over and over again, or you get stuck in something, right, where appetites rule. Not just physical appetite, all sorts. 
just where we've lost a bit of focus, a little bit of that cutting edge, a little bit of sharpness has gone, then the way we can rebuke it is sowing into our vision because it releases vision in us as well. It stirs up that passion in us and we become like those appetites, but appetites, we don't become like appetites, ignore that. We become like athletes (laughs) who are training for something. We get our sharpness and our passion back again. So... um, I work in film and TV, that kind of stuff. If I lose my edge a little bit, then a good thing for me to do would be to sew into someone like Darren Wilson, who's making these amazing Holy Ghost films, the father of, father of lights. And if I invest in him, I'm blessing him, but I'm hoping to see the fruit come in me in a couple of forms. One, I want to see finance release for me. But two, I want to see my vision and my passion stirred up again. And that's what that kind of giving stirs up in us. It kind of puts to death those appetites. I could have spent that money on myself, but instead I'm putting it into my vision. I'm saying I want to be focused. I want to be sharp. I want to be like an athlete. So releases increase in vision and in finance, rebukes appetites, breaks bad habits, shakes off addictions, gives us focus and discipline, renews passion and p- purpose, and resu- restores sharpness. So maybe have a think and a prayer about what God might be prompting you to sow into a vision. Next one. Well, next two, actually, because these are even shorter ones. Yeah. So we've already looked at so tithing, giving to the poor, and then sowing sowing seed and those are the three three big ones i'm going to blast through the last two fairly quickly and the last two are, are saving and investing and a lot of people think that saving oh i shouldn't be keeping things just to myself or like that but saving actually is a godly principle in proverbs 13 verse 11 it says dishonest money dwindles away but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow well that that's saving and that's that's in the bible so it's a it's a godly principle What's, what I found really interesting when I was looking into this was the very next verse in that proverb, it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is the tree of life. So is saving a key to fulfilling our dreams? I think saving also shows wisdom, and also it can be prophetic. So if you go back into, into Genesis, when um, Joseph was in Egypt, he saved just 5%. In seven years of plenty. That's just 5% of what they brought in. He saved that in those seven years of plenty. And that allowed the nation of Israel and many others to actually survive. They would have been wiped out if he hadn't have done that. They had an abundance in the seven years of famine because Joseph heard from God and implemented God's plan to save. And it was once Joseph actually did that, actually implemented that saving, that his own dreams were fulfilled. Saving out of fear and hoarding it for yourself is wrong. And that's symptomatic of the orphan spirit. The orphan spirit says, hoard it or spend it really quickly and unwisely because you might never have it again and you don't know where the next paycheck's going to come from or when it's going to come. But saving little by little is a practice of wisdom. And we know, we've seen it loads of times in the Bible that God can do huge things with really, really tiny things and he really, really likes doing it as well. Proverbs 13 verse 22 says, A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. So, but you can't have an inheritance if you didn't save anything. So saving is a godly and wise principle. Moving on to investing. Investing is about being a good steward of what God has given us. 
a lot of people think that stewardship is about sort of getting the money in and then giving it back out again really quickly. But I'm not I'm not convinced it's like that. I mean, it does say in Luke 12, verse 42, a wise steward gives the workers their portion in the proper season. So that is about giving, giving stuff out. But actually, if you look at the parable of the miners and the parable of the talents, that's really about good stewardship. What he gives us, he wants to see an increase on. So those, those two parables are specifically about money, but they can be applied to other areas, so they're giftings or other areas in the ministry that, you're, that, you're, that you may be working in. So in these parables, he gave some large amount of money. So Sorry, in, in these parables, he gave some a large amount of money and he gave others a small amount according to their ability. And some might think, well, actually, some people are really good at it, so they're going to get more, and some people aren't so good, they don't get very much. And that's not to be viewed of, oh, I'm not good enough. That's actually God being really good to us and trusting and sort of knowing what level he can trust us to and not putting us in a position where he's going to set us up to fail. It's about actually setting us up to have a victory and win. So anyway, he gave, he gave people an amount of money and he expects them to come back with more than they were giving. And you can read around that, kind of what happens to those who don't and what happens to those who do. So I think stewardship is about finding creative ways to resource, to increase what the Lord has given us. In Matthew 25, verse 29, to those who use well what is given even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who are unfaithful, even the little they have will be taken away. So investing is not a capitalistic mindset, but it's a kingdom mindset. It's there in the Bible. It's God's, it's God's plan for how he wants to increase us. You need wisdom, creativity, and discernment to do it, but he'll give you that as well. So I think recently, in this sort of, in the last um, in the last few weeks, the last month or so, we've had um, a few words about um, discernment, and also entering a new season where discernment is going to be required. And often, when we hear that sort of word, we th- we're going to think, oh, that's about making sure that we can identify bad stuff that's going to happen, and be able to do that. But it's not just about that. I actually think it can be applied to to positive stuff actually going actually I, I hear God's telling me to go and do this I remember back in 2008 when we had the sort of the big market crash the big financial crisis I was hearing about lots of people who'd heard from God that they should invest in gold because that's where they were going to see an increase and they did so that there is showing d- discernment and investing in a godly way to see increase so I think we are coming into a new season a new season of uncovering the treasures of darkness to further the kingdom of light. I think revelation is coming and we are definitely in a season of secrets being revealed. All right, we're about there. But uh, we just wanted to tell you a little bit of our what we've been testing out with this, really. So um, we kind of got hold of these talks earlier in the summer and... Um, just round about when we got married, and so we thought, oh, great, well, we'll test this out together. It'll be a bit of a Holy Spirit adventure for us to have together. And uh, the first thing that we felt like God was saying was to invest in someone uh, who had what we 
wanted, really. The, it was a, a couple who had just given themselves to pursue God and to hear his voice and to live in a way that was completely reliant on him. And whatever he said, they'd do. And they were just pressing in to hear him more clearly and to experience his presence. So we're like, all right, we'll test that out. We'll invest some money in there. And there was an amazing little chain of testimonies that rippled down, which we'll we'll, uh, leave for another day. But it was amazing to hear how it came back round to us of the thing... The little bit that we'd given had played a much bigger had played a part in a much bigger story, and there were a few others uh, to do with child of hope. We said, "Okay, we'll give to the poor. We'll do that one too." And s- since then, um, with my job, I've had just the most mental f- couple of months. Really, I got the chance to produce and direct my own TV show for the first time, which went out uh, was on broadcast TV, and so that's been out. I was trusted with that. Um, I've, I had been kind of sidelined on a feature film where they'd kind of they didn't need me, so I wasn't going to get a chance to be part of it. But I really wanted to, and I said, "God, I'd love to be on this film. It's this is like my dream one. It's a family feature film. It's all people I love. I want to be in on this." And suddenly a door was opened, and actually in about ten minutes I'll be driving off to Bridport to go and join the rest of the crew on set because they're filming now, and I'm part of it. Uh, another little thing happened where. Um, I'd been given a couple of occasions where I was on the crew bus or something and we were just sharing stuff and I was like, oh, I could tell them about the culture of honour I could tell them about integrity you know, just sharing some stuff I was walking along one day and said God, I love sharing all these kingdom things to people at work because they just lap it up I love, it's fun doing it at church it's even more fun doing it with these guys because they're like, I have never heard this before, oh my goodness, working hard to make someone else look good instead of promoting myself, this is revolutionary I said, oh god I'd love to do this more Like, it'd be amazing if I could get in at the next generation of filmmakers and if I could go into the university and go and teach it there before they all go and get jobs I said, oh god, if you would make that happen I would teach that stuff that week, I had a, um, uh, uh, one of my bosses came up to me and said, oh, I was in at the university this week. They're struggling like anything to find part-time uh, tutors and lecturers. Don't suppose you'd be interested in teaching at the university, would you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and with that comes a pay increase and all sorts of benefits. So it really unlocked a lot for us financially, but in a kind of kingdom advancement and our dreams way. Chris also. Yeah. So, um, Bronnie mentioned how we kind of, we take a decision to kind of like sow into a, a couple who were sort of pursuing stuff that we really wanted to see as well. And sometimes when you are, when you're, you're sowing into stuff, it's not to receive a, a monetary increase. Well, obviously Bronnie's been talking about that, but actually it's sometimes maybe you want to catch the vision that they've got. And, um, I've been, um, on a little bit of a journey in the last sort of, year or so we've been we've been doing this um some of us have been doing this disciple discipleship stuff and um being challenged to sort of be intentional just to just to up the level a bit raise the stand a little bit and i've kind of been struggling to actually do it to be honest but in the last couple of the last month or so i think it is really that i've really just started to actually go for it and i have and so god's you know, been really gracious to me and actually really helped me with that. And so that's where actually I've got my sort of 
I've, that's where I've reaped something back. Actually, I've I've managed to get a bit of a vision, a bit of a passion, and really build on that. So I can't think of anything else to say. So just to recap, just to finish, five areas of stewarding our money: tithe, giving to the poor, sowing into a vision, uh, saving, not out of fear but out of faith, and investing. And we really believe that these are keys at the minute, that um, this is a season where, you know, like in that picture, the angel bringing the scrolls down to earth to bring keys to unlock situations. We believe this is a key for now. So we just encourage you to have a think about it and ask God where he might be putting his finger. Thank you so much. Um, Is the band here? Can we have the band back up for a while? Because I think what would be really good, let's get, let's worship that truth, those keys. Um, as we encounter God at the end of this service. So if the band could come back.